Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. A coronavirus outbreak in the state legislature has indefinitely delayed the Assembly's return to work from a scheduled summer recess. Speaker Anthony Rendon's office says five people who worked there have tested positive for COVID-19, including Assemblywoman Autumn Burke, who's believed to have contracted the virus while on the floor last month. The Assembly will stay in recess until further notice. Meanwhile, Governor Gavin Newsom says newly formed strike teams of state inspectors have reached out to thousands of California businesses over the weekend. We really focused in on workplace safety guidelines. Again, the enforcement is not just about being punitive. It's also about educating people, allowing people to make modifications, uh, but moreover, uh, to address the bad actors, the folks that are simply just disregarding uh, these orders and to hold them to some account as well. Newsom formed the teams after some local officials openly said they would not enforce new shutdown orders or the statewide mask rule as virus cases increase. After weeks of criticism over the state's handling of a massive COVID-19 outbreak at San Quentin State Prison, Governor Newsom said it's one of his top concerns. The governor said the population at the overcrowded facility has been reduced since March, adding that his office is looking at other ways to move vulnerable people out. I'm going through individual by individual people with medical uh, needs that are acute. We are fast-tracking and expediting parole review and individually reviewing those cases. Newsom said his office is working with probation and parole officers to identify adequate housing for people who are released. Over 1,300 people incarcerated at San Quentin have tested positive for the virus, and at least seven inmates have died from complications in the last two weeks. A federal judge held an emergency hearing Monday afternoon to hear how the state prison system plans to address the ongoing outbreak. That judge has urged Newsom to tour the prisons, saying doing so would make clear the need to release older and vulnerable inmates. Dozens of state lawmakers are calling on the governor to stop California prisons from transferring people to federal immigration detention during the pandemic. For more on that story, here's KQED's immigration editor, Tyke Hendricks. In a letter to Newsom, the legislators say it's urgent to stop the transfers as the coronavirus has sickened thousands in state prisons and immigration detention centers. Oakland Assemblyman Rob Bonta says people who've served their sentences should be released, even immigrants who may eventually face deportation. When the health of Californians in custody are at risk, that puts the health of all of California at risk. We know that COVID-19 spreads uh, from individual to individual um, through close contact, that it can spread to staff, that it can spread to community members. So this is a a sound public health uh, action to take, as well as the morally right and just 
thing to do. Newsom's office did not respond to a request for comment by press time. For the California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks. We're going to turn now to November's election. California is gearing up for a big change. For the first time, all voters will be mailed a ballot. And officials here don't have to look far to find models for success. As KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati explains. If California elections officials could draw up a best-case scenario for November, it would look a lot like what happened in Colorado and Utah a week ago. Voting centers with no lines, plenty of poll workers with ample protective gear, and a record turnout for a state primary, uh, even during the pandemic. That's Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. Her state already sends every voter a ballot, but facing the increasing spread of COVID-19, Griswold stepped up efforts to encourage voters to return their ballots in the mail rather than in person. The result was a rebuke to President Trump's unfounded claims that mail ballots will be a boon for Democratic voters. And believe it or not, although the president has so strongly opposed mail ballots, a higher percentage of people who voted in the Republican primary cast a mail ballot than those who participated in the Democratic primary. In Utah, like California, voters were allowed to postmark their ballots on Election Day, and poll workers left ballots untouched for 24 hours to prevent the spread of the virus. In California, roughly three-quarters of voters already get a ballot in the mail. But Paul Gronke, director of the Early Voting Information Center at Reed College, says unlike Colorado and Utah, California still has a large number of voters who need language or registration assistance. It's a big reason why officials here are committed to offering in-person options. So I think California officials are still adapting to try to figure out exactly how many voters are going to be appearing in person. At least one hotly contested race on last week's ballot in Utah wasn't decided until yesterday. A reminder, Gronke says, that mail ballot results will likely require some additional patience in November. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Monuments to controversial historical figures are being removed essentially overnight across the nation, including here in California, following impassioned demonstrations against police brutality and racial injustice. But that's not the case with every landmark. Cap Radio's Scott Rod visited a remote mountaintop in rural California to report on a years-long renaming effort. Jeff Davis Peak in Alpine County is named after the president of the Confederate States. Historians say it likely came from a nearby mining village made up of immigrant sympathizers of the Confederacy. Alpine residents first debated renaming the peak at a county board meeting in 2017. These named landmarks raise useful questions in the minds of young people who see them. And I don't think that history really needs to be changed or rewritten. Alpine County Confederate history should go into the museum. It doesn't need to be flaunted from a mountaintop. County Supervisor Ron Hames had a novel take on the issue. I actually renamed it 35 years ago after a Frank Zappa concert. Um, The (laughs) concert was called It's Frickin' Great to be Alive. Frank Zappa actually used a different F word, one that's not suitable for county board meetings or public radio. Hames's point descriptions of physical landmarks change all the time. He says Spanish missionaries had names for what they found in California, and before them, so too did Native Americans. The county wanted to acknowledge its roots with the new name, so it contacted Irvin Jim, a member of the Washoe Native American tribe, for input. For us to have the ability to start putting names, Washoe names, the way they should be, 
back into these places is really important. Jim went to his great aunt, a Washoe elder, who suggested Dayek Daugoet, which means saddle between two points. The county approved the name, but then the California Advisory Committee on Geographic Names rejected it at first. They said the Washoe phrase was hard to pronounce, plus it had no local association. Jim has some thoughts on this. Typical white society thing to say, this is our homeland, over 10,000 years of being here. They don't understand. They don't know. As for Jefferson Davis's association with Alpine County, well, you'd be hard-pressed to find one. In fact, scholars say he vehemently opposed the creation of California altogether because it would be a free state without slaves. The state committee eventually gave their approval. They declined an interview request but said they take renaming landmarks seriously and are scrupulous with their decision-making. Jennifer Runyon is with the Federal Board on Geographic Names, yet another agency that has to sign off. There's just so many moving parts. It really is um, a matter of getting input from so many different entities. She says the proposal will likely appear on the board's July calendar, the final hurdle to rename the peak. On the mountain's eastern slope, melting snow forms a brook that carves below the tree line. Its name? Jeff Davis Creek. Some residents have asked the Federal Board on Geographic Names whether it will be renamed too. But the process for that hasn't even started. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Alpine County. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday, July 7th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Ideas for storing leftover paint to keep it fresh and tips for using it up can be found at paintcare.org. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. 
I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.